0: Welcome to Between Two Chairs, demystifying commercial real estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arenzibia Jr. and Jennifer Wollman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you, so pull up a chair and join us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of uh, Between Two Chairs. Today we think, well, now we think we're going to do it.
1: (laughs) We're going to do it. We were talking about the other day about how you start finding the right location for a client. Right. Right. And we started talking about, oh, get a zoning map and you start looking for this and that. And then we're like, well, wait, first we qualify and we ask questions. So we decided right. to do a podcast about qualifying a client. Right. So that's what
0: we're talking about. Right? That's qualifying. what we're talking about. Yes. Questions to qualify clients. Questions to qualify clients. It's a very important skill to develop. Right. When you get into this business and you start, you know, you get excited. When you get a phone call of somebody that is looking to buy or sell a property. And if you don't have the proper training, oftentimes you go down a rabbit hole. And at the end of that (laughs) search, you certainly learn a lot, right? But you don't actually make a deal come through. And it is very important because it's a two way street, right? The client is qualifying you and your ability to perform and to execute. Their vision and what they want to do. But when you're an agent, you also are, it's important for you to ask the right questions to qualify the clients and the client's ability to also execute and follow through on what they want to do. And part of it is also understanding very clearly what is their motivation and what ultimately they want to do. Because oftentimes people will call you and tell you, this is what I want. (laughs) But they're asking you because they think that that's that's what's going to help them accomplish their goal. But ultimately, there's usually another approach that will help them get there better or faster or less expensive or, you know, in a way where it makes it, you know, uh, more of a a wiser investment. So a lot of times you have to read between the lines when you're speaking to a client. And I think that that's where qualifying questions and knowing what to ask becomes very important. In your experience, because we deal with so many asset classes, do you think that there are there a group of qualifying questions that are just general to all commercial real estate? Or do you think that there is such specificity between, let's say, retail and industrial that the qualifying questions you know shift?
1: Well, I think there's two layers. I think the qualifying questions are generic. Right. And they could apply to any asset class. I mean, for example, I always my very first qualifying questions are always, are you working with anybody else? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you already been researching the market? Have you already seen places? What have you seen? Who have you showed? You know, who showed it to you? Right. Um, because if they're already working with somebody else, then that takes me on a whole different set of questions. Like, why are they interviewing right. me? Are they working with everybody in the market? In which case, the interview is over. <laughs> um, and Very valid. and not, not necessarily. I mean, I could ask them why they're working with so many people and show them the value of just, you know, interviewing several agents and working with one and why. Right. But so I, th- I do think that there's some generic questions right. and, you know, a lot of them have to do with, you know, is this their first venture, whether it's a lease or a purchase, you know, right. have they ever purchased commercial property before? Yeah. Um, are they an owner user? Are they looking at it for investment? So I think there are some very generic questions yeah. that you can ask. And then obviously, then you get into the very specifics, yeah. depending, you know, if you're an industrial broker, you get into the industrial questions and yeah, retail, et cetera.
0: You know, I'm a, I'm a big baseball fan. Mm-hmm. And over the last 10 years, this analytics and the breakdown of analytics has really permeated every aspect of baseball. And there's been a lot of changes. But at the end of the day, a baseball player understands That at its core, this is really not a complicated game, right? You have to see the ball and you have to hit the ball. And so some of this may sound complex, but in reality, it's really all about the approach. The purpose of the qualifying questions is to see what really is the target that we're trying to hit, you know? Right. And so aside from your first question, which is what every professional agent would ask, is to find out you know are you looking to me to be your exclusive representative in this venture and to be your partner in this venture or is it that you're throw, throwing a really wide net and seeing you know what comes up i think aside from those questions to find out you know what is their intention to interview you or to or to reach out to you is first and foremost is you got to put people into groups i think the owner user and the investor When it comes to commercial real estate, regardless of the asset class, don't you feel that that is is the most important thing? Because the owner user, the owner of the company that's going to buy that industrial warehouse or Or or, or lease that retail space, Mm -hmm. right, is going to have a set of criteria and requirements. And they're going to look at that uh, investment that they're going to make, even even through the lease they're investing, and that that is the right place for their business to thrive, What I find interesting is that they're going to look at it differently than an investor that is going to look at numbers. They're going to look at an array of other factors, right? Right. So if you break it down, you you break it down, at least for me, owner, user, investor, and then I break down, is it a lease or a purchase? Correct. Right. And now I think the first set of questions is really about motivation. Would you, it doesn't look like you are in agreement with that, which is great because I don't want to agree all the time. Okay, it makes for a very boring Do podcast. We ever agree?
1: No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, no just kidding. Um, I think it depends, you know, because a lot of this whole pre qualifying is also developing rapport. So I don't immediately start with timing. I usually start with, you know, asking them, okay, obviously we've already categorized them, you know, what they're using the space for or what they're interested in the space, whether it's for an investment or as owner user. Then I usually ask, you know, I just start kind of rambling off questions (laughs) like I do. I'm like, you know, did they already have a location in mind? What are they thinking of? What is their demographic? So I try to get a wide overview of what they're looking for. And that kind of goes to your reading between the lines because I feel like getting them to talk about the big picture, then it's a lot easier to narrow them down to things like timing and budget and everything else. But usually that comes later. I also feel like if I start with, you know, are you working with anybody else? What's your budget? And what's your timeframe? Like, those aren't very conversational, right? They're they're pretty right. much cut and dry, yes, no answers, right. dates, et cetera. And I want questions that feed conversation. So yeah. That's why I start with the demographics. Usually, you know, what is the demographic not only of their customer, but what is the demographic of their employee if demographics mm. are important. Important. If they're hiring, you know, are they planning on hiring locally mm-hmm. or are they bringing employees in from out of state? And all of those questions have to do with the much bigger issues that we get into later, which are about a location. And, you know, if an employee is coming from Boston, Chicago, New York, where there's great public transportation, and I'm going to put... The location out in some area where they're going to have to be driving. That's an issue. You know, my kids, I have two kids who didn't have a car. Well, one still doesn't have a car. He lives in London. The other one lived in Savannah, uh, New York, and Washington, D.C. She didn't have a car for seven years until she moved back here. So those are types of things that they might yeah. not be thinking about, but that you, as the professional, need to take into consideration. Because if they're used to riding public transportation and then they're planning on moving them down here, and yeah. all of a sudden there's no public transportation in the area, that's not yeah. going to make for happy employees. So that's why I try to ask some of these general, bigger questions yeah. because then that gives me a much bigger picture.
0: This might seem to be too wide of, a, of of an approach, right? Because I think that what happens with qualifying questions is you give people a script of mm-hmm. what to ask, in what order, and how to go. But the reality is that what, what often is you will never find in a script is what is your mindset? So my mindset is always on what happened to get you to make this call to me? How did you get to me? And what has happened in your business, in your life? That you're looking to make this decision. You know, I want to know as much. And and to your point, it serves multiple purposes. Number one is building rapport, right? Because mm-hmm. you know that that's an important component. Number two, you are scratching beyond the surface. Now you're getting into what is there. You know, which is what I mean by motivation. Not not exactly timing and you know mm-hmm. how quickly, but those questions are they kind of happen later in in the the initial conversation. Right. But what I really want to know is. What is, their, uh, what is the story of their company? What is their story of, as an investor? I want to find out how much experience they have. Is it, if they're an investor, I want to find out how much experience they have. Really, if they're an owner user, the same thing. You know, I, I want to understand a little bit more about the kind of conversations that I'm going to have to have with my client. Is it going to be the first time that they're going to lease a retail space? You know, we we both you and I have represented a lot of food and beverage companies. Did they start with a food truck? You know, and right, now they're going to right. brick and mortar. Do they understand that transition? How, how much education? I think a big part of what we do is educate. Correct. Right. But it's it's it would be the biggest fallacy about education is that it's a one size fits all lecture being on a lectern and just basically spewing out data and information. You know, the magic sauce of education is finding out. Who really is your audience and what kind of information they need from you that is really going to make a difference?
1: Well, to your point about asking, you know, uh, a user, let's say a tenant in this case. If they have any experience, well, one of the reasons we're asking is we want to know, because then we're going to have if they don't have experience, then we have to do a deeper dive into what they're doing. Do they have a business plan? You know, what are they thinking in terms financially? Do they have the financial backing, et cetera? And what they might not realize is that every single landlord is going to ask how many other, you know, locations do they have? How long have they been in business? What is their revenue? You know, do they have That's financials? So and if you're a first-time owner and you, you know, and you come in and you just have this great idea and you don't have a business plan and you don't have financials, a lease is going to be impossible, right? Because there's no and, and I've had clients like that where they get frustrated with me because I tell them, no, you need a business plan, you know, you're yeah. not ready yet. And then... I take them out and the first thing they, you know, the landlords asked for. And I actually had a client who got really upset at me.
0: Oh, I remember. Because, remember
1: Cause yeah. I kept asking, I'm like, everybody's asking for your financials and they really need to see your financials. We mm-hmm. know you have this small store, but you're closing that store, you're coming here, there's a lot of TI, you know, your your use is pretty mm-hmm. niche specific. And You know, people want to know that you have the staying power and the ability not only to to do the deposits and pay the rent, but for the TI. And if there are six months and to go through the six month opening and the build out phase and everything else. And the third part, the third tenant who asked for the third landlord, excuse me, who asked for the financials. When I asked her for them, she literally said, well, why you don't, you don't believe that I'm financially capable of doing this. It's right. like, you have no faith in me, you know? And I kind of said, oh, I'm oh sorry feel that way, but That's I've crazy. asked you for your business plan, which she was sharing the business plan and the yeah. financials with the landlords, yeah. but not with me. And I finally, you know, yeah. had to say, you know, you really need to go work with somebody else because I can't help her right, right. to your it is a partnership. And if she doesn't trust me, no doubt. then there's no way that I can bridge the gap between her and the landlord and right. what they wanted to do. So that's why these questions are
0: and I, so and important. What I find interesting about what you mentioned here is that a lot of the times the qualifying questions that you ask as a, as a real estate professional in the commercial world, and you're qualifying on your behalf. But you're also qualifying questions that you know are going to be asked of the tenant, that the you seller. know are going to be asked of the seller, that you know are going to be asked of the bank if there's financing involved. And so what, what happens is you, you have those qualifying questions to preempt a lot of that question. And so what happens is somebody will come in and say, I'm, I'm coming into a market I want to invest. And I want to invest in a certain class. Let's say that it is multifamily. So you're coming in here and you find that's 40 unit apartment building. Now you want to buy it. I know for a fact that even though you have the funds and this is your intention, one of the questions that the bank wants to know is how much experience you have managing an asset like that, because the bank is not looking at it purely as a loan, especially in the commercial sector. In the commercial sector, the bank sees themselves as a partner in that in that investment vehicle.
1: Right, right. they're they're looking at your likelihood to succeed in, exactly. in bringing value to that property. Exactly, right?
0: correct. And so their ability to risk, right, it's gonna be commensurate with the level of experience that you have. And it's not only about your phone. So they're gonna adjust your loan to value. So people will come and ask you, well, can I get a loan at 75% for multifamily, this 40 unit? The, the answer is, the answer is it depends. Right. Right. Because I've seen people that get a 75%. And then I see people that can only get 60 And part of that is because that percentage is based on is commensurate with the risk that the bank is assuming. So a lot of the questions that that you ask as a professional to qualify the person, you're almost asking them on behalf of other people because you know those questions are you know are they're coming
1: up down the pipe. So you're right. just preempting them to make sure you can either help the client find those answers if they Correct. don't have them or get that information if they don't have it, or just let them know that they're too early in the process and that down the road, they're going to, and I, and I had that with the gym. They were great. And I'm like, do you have a yeah. business plan? No. Right. You have funding? No. I'm like, then you're not ready to look at yeah. property. <laughs> you know, I'm like, so.
0: <laughs> well, let me throw another thing here because I think it's, it's, uh, and you kind of alluded to it is I work with this great engineering firm and we found them a space in the Doral. Um, they're actually now have grown tremendously, but in their period of growth, they also have offices in West Palm and in Orlando. And the owner of the company called me and said, look, I, I need help in these two areas. Can you help me? And I connected them with a great broker in Orlando to help with the Orlando expansion. But I took care of West Palm. You know, it's an hour away from, from me and, and I really wanted to take care of them. And so, well, well, the first thing I did was have a meeting with the employees in West Palm Beach, Mm -hmm. right? And I had a meeting in their current offices. I know that we're expanding, but what I really wanted to get from them is what is of a priority to the employees? So in that way, your mindset shifts. So like, ultimately, who is my client, right? right? My client at that moment, in my mindset becomes those employees. If we are able to satisfy a lot of the requirements of those employees, that would be of incredible service to my client. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that is another component of these qualifying area that it, it is not just one size does not fit all. And we found out that the employees in the RAL had very different requirements than of the course. employees in, in, Palm in, in Palm Beach. Yeah. You know, and it had to do with the amenities in the building, it had to do with proximity to certain areas, location was very important. And for example, in uh, I remember one of the things that was very very important was the reliability of the internet and and that whole IT structure within the the building, because these guys are working sometimes you know twelve hour shifts to deliver um, an important deadline and the last thing they need is to have hiccups on that right. you know and uh, so you know like that there's there's just a lot that goes into qualifying a client and uh, and ultimately. Right. I think the overall writing principle is you really just want to be of service. Mm -hmm. And the best way to be of service is to really dig deep into, you know, Mm -hmm. all of those aspects. Right.
1: And the digging deep does come after the qualifying. So a couple of my other qualifying questions are, do they have any special needs for their space? So I was dealing with a crypto mining company and they have a huge energy requirement. Like, right. Oh my God! I had no, idea. I had no idea how much energy yeah. is involved, and there were very few places in Miami Dade that. So forget looking at all of the areas that allowed crypto mining. Right. There, there was literally like a pocket that where it would work. So I also worked with the distillery they needed. They require huge amounts of water and sewer capacity. So then it's like, okay, I have to make sure that every site had that. So um, those are some of the general qualifying questions. And then at the end, I always like to ask, is there some information you want to share with me or a question Correct. that I haven't asked that I should be asking yeah. you because you never know if there's something that during the discussion they're thinking about, yeah. but they're busy answering your questions yeah. and everything. So when you ask that, that kind of gives you some more insight, you know, and then sometimes they'll say, yeah, yeah I need to move quickly because I just sold my building or right. something. But
0: And then there are very specific questions that are uh, part of, Qualifying that are specific to the asset class. Correct. So like in industrial, you want to understand whether they're looking for uh, dock high doors, how many do they need, power is an important component, of, right. not only if it's three phase power, but also how many, how much amp, and that depends on whether it is a manufacturing company, or if it is a distributor you're going to look at location be very important especially if they ship a lot i always like to start with a zoning map and we'll we'll get into this in in another uh podcast but the reason for that is because it it just gives me a really clear picture of what the planning department uh, or the urban developer intended for that space cuz when they develop that they're developing it because they want to encourage a certain kind of build in in those areas And there's a reason why usually strategically those things make sense. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you would say are very specific to retail or very, very specific to office that uh, that you would ask?
1: I mean, other than my general questions, I don't know, you know, if they're an existing, if they're an existing retail, what their current sales are, what they're expecting for the space what their normal if it's a restaurant again sometimes what's your average yeah. what's your average bill right? What's the right. average bill for a consumer because that'll also depend yeah. on that goes yeah. back to the demographics. so I rely yeah. heavily on demographics. Um, That's very
0: smart to 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 rely heavily on that and for example you 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 get a lot of people that are looking for a certain kind of density they want to know how much is how much daily traffic is in front, how much exposure right. they have those things are important to them. Others, they find that the people that are going to come to visit their business are going to find them in other, in other manners. Right. Right. And I find it interesting, like in office, we've gone through this period of the opposite of of density. You want you want to have less density. We went through a little bit of that after the pandemic in the sense that people wanted to be more spread out. But I think more than ever, if you look at it, amenities of the building and amenities of the location have been very important. And, and I've seen people market office products where maybe the, the building doesn't have a lot of amenities, but the neighborhood is the amenities. Right. You know, the neighborhood right. has so much that attracts people and that makes them comfortable to work in that environment and that invites them back. I, I think we've we've gone through that shift where every employer is looking at it from the point of view of what can the location add value to me by enticing people to come and work at my office. Right, you know? and
1: if you are if you have an office in a great location, like I know, you know, Brickle has been booming with the Class A office space and it is, it's because you have public transportation and super walkable, right. there are hotels if you're an international company, so you have visitors, it's super easy. Yeah. But today I was at an office in Doral and I walked in and I thought, oh, they're trying to amenitize this building. And they had lockers. And I thought they were lockers like for DoorDash or something, but okay. they weren't. It was a dry cleaner. It was lockers for dry wow. cleaner. And you put your dry cleaning in the locker. I love it. And you go on their app and yeah. you come back and you get your dry cleaning. So they had that. And then they had a really nice seating area but for eating so you didn't have to have lunch inside your office but this office building wasn't walkable to any restaurants or anything you would have had to get in your car and drive so if you brought your lunch or if they were to cater sandwiches or something in your office you could have this outside of the office space so they were minor things but as soon as I walked in I'm like oh that's kind of cool I hadn't Seen that before? And when we're off yeah. the podcast, I'll tell you what happened <laughs> when I googled the dry cleaning. That's funny. Because <laughs> I
0: wanted to do a whole write up on the dry cleaning. On the dry cleaning. But it's interesting because a few years back, we saw um, a company. I think came out of React. I mean, I'm sorry to out of Reach that their whole business plan was to basically make a deal with multi-family. with multifamily yeah. apartment buildings, large yeah. large scale apartment buildings. And maybe even small scale hotels to basically uh, lease out their entire lobby area, and for them to create the amenities that Correct. were going to be in there. Correct. That was an interesting component, and I think that there is a lot of room for creativity in commercial real estate, even with spaces. And you know, we'll, again, we we'll, we could delve into that, but the idea of adaptive reuse, and that's something that I always find so so incredible about when you're looking at real estate that it's not only what it is currently intended as as it's use, but is what is the potential use of the space.
1: Right. And you you can you can going back to those, you know, qualifying questions is in having that conversation sometimes. And to your point of the zoning map, you because you've done those qualifying questions, it's going to open your mind up to like, okay, yeah. they they really should be in this area based on everything. I know my gut's telling me they need to be here, but right. there's nothing here in that zoning. Well, is there a building mm-hmm. that you might be able to do a change of use on that you might be able yeah. to adapt to their use? Correct. And then all of yeah. a sudden, you're not only providing an amenity in that neighborhood, but you're yeah putting this company owner, user, tenant, whatever in in their ideal space. So, and a lot of that thought process and that creativity, um, to your point, there's a ton of creativity and commercial real estate, just go on Twitter and you get some really (laughs)
0: great
1: creative stuff, but, um, so true. But yeah, I think that those qualifying questions also help open yeah. your mind to the possibility, like, okay, just because it might not be zoned or just because this location might not be exact, is there something that we can do within it to make right. it the perfect place for this season? No,
0: without a doubt. And I, I could think of also, you know, there are some things that are generic, like parking mm-hmm. is always going to be a, a right. question, you know, and part of it is because you need a certain ratio in order to get your certificate of use from the county or the municipality so that becomes an important component and i had a client one time uh we were looking at a shopping center that is right off of 67th avenue on Burr Road and in the shopping center they wanted to put in a restaurant they wanted to put a sushi restaurant and that was their um their priority there was a little space available but the landlord had a question about whether they had enough parking spaces so the landlord had to do a parking study you know the way they do that is they look at the the use of all of the units that they have. And they basically say, well, we have so many square feet of restaurant space. We have so many square feet, you know, basically a a, a dry retail. And so um, if they have an entertainment, all that other stuff, and then they figure out based on the parking spaces that they have. And also in that case, they also had an area that they wanted to designate to build a corner parcel. And so um, a corner structure, and I think it was uh, Starbucks that eventually went in there. So the landlord came back and said, I'm sorry, I can't put a restaurant in here that is larger than 1,200 square feet, because mm-hmm. otherwise you just won't have the ratio. And when you go to the county, you just won't get the certificate of you. So it, it won't work out. And I remember that my client got very upset and he he thought that they were manipulating the numbers. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Right. I mean, they they want to rent you the space. Maybe. But they're also confined within the guidelines of what is allowable use right. within their space. And that's another component here that your point about, you know, the complexities of finding a space is not only, OK, this would be a perfect location. I may not find the space and it might be for a multitude of issues. And, you know, sometimes those zoning laws are going to also limit your, your ability right. to find a space So like center.
1: in that shopping center, so what I have seen people, I've seen some very creative owners in, mm-hmm. in Pinecrest, for example, down right. here, where they, you know, same thing, they have their parking ratios, but if they want a restaurant and the restaurant only opens at dinner, right? right? So they open from, let's say five o'clock on yeah. and there's a bank in there and the bank closes at five. Right. Well, now all of a sudden right. they can not manipulated but they can make it work because yeah. the parking required for the restaurant doesn't overlap with the parking required requirements for right. the bank right makes
0: sense exactly. so um it's also exactly. kind of
1: keeping an eye out for those little nuances but
0: no doubt there are a lot of a lot of different nuances. uh you know nuances that are there so all right
1: next one we're going to talk about in our next episode, we'll talk about how these qualifying questions lead to location, location, location.
0: Absolutely. And that that's when, you know, I'm, I'm going to really nerd out in a zoning map (laughs) (laughs) and I'll give you my, I'll I'll give you my sense. So we're ready for the stat of the podcast. Uh (laughs) Uh Would you like me to go first, first. ma'am? All right. I will go first. So I was reading this today, and I think this is an interesting conversation because there has been a lot of commercial development of apartment buildings that are specifically uh, suited or created for Airbnb, that are created for short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And I found that interesting that Airbnb investors in Miami-Dade last year made over $75 million. And Florida as a whole, Airbnb investors brought in over $3 billion in revenue in the state of Florida. Miami is one of two counties, one of the top two counties in uh, in the state with the most Airbnb uh, revenue generated. Number and, one, right, be, right, right behind Osceola, which of course has Orlando, right, Disney. Right. So it, it makes sense that these two counties would, uh, would be at the top of the list.
1: I love that stat, not... Because it's Airbnb, because I know there's a lot of issues and a lot of going back and forth between Airbnb and hotels. But I like that fact coupled with our hotel stats, which, you know, we have some of the highest rev bar and occupancy rates. In the country, so right. it just goes to show that Airbnb and hotels can coexist.
0: Uh-huh, exactly, and there's
1: a need and a demand for both of those.
0: No so, especially um especially in Miami-Dade, especially in
1: Miami-Dade, or yeah. or Orlando, or right. you know any of these big yeah. tourist areas.
0: No, Jennifer, Miami-Dade. No, that's it.
1: Miami-Dade.
0: <laughs> no, you're absolutely right.
1: So my fun stat was that. The US real estate investment market is valued at nearly $21 trillion. Wow. And nearly half of those properties were purchased by individual investors. So to me, that was a super impressive stat. And that came from James P. Nelson, who is the principal and head of Avison Young's Tri-State Investment Sales up in New York City. And he's the author of a book called The Insider's Edge to Real Estate Investing. Hmm. Um, But I thought that was really interesting. Nearly $21 trillion and half of that was purchased by individual investors.
0: So $10.5 trillion have been purchased not by REITs, not by institutional investors, but by individual investors. Right, it could, like be, huge. it could be
1: an individual, let's say like a GP with an within right. LP, but, but small, right. it's basically small yeah, individual yeah. General
0: partners and, with and limited maybe partners. maybe not even
1: that small, but it's right. definitely not institutional. Yeah. and re- So I thought that was super interesting.
0: What I love about that stat is that it, it really correlates with what we know to be a fact, which is that the engine of our economy is really the small business. You know, and that when you put all of that, the revenue that is generated and how big of a percentage of GDP is the small businesses. And and that's what's ama- amazing about our country, right, is this push for entrepreneurship and, you know, the ability for you to open a small business and and to grow it and and hopefully create something that goes beyond just your your own self, but something that you can leave behind for your kids and, and something of, of value and power. So. Thank you for sharing that. Like you said, we have a great podcast next time on location. We're going to delve a little bit more into that. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for pulling up a chair and uh, we'll see you next time.